Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to another independent review. Today we are reviewing Violence Voyager, a Japanese film that's not live action, not quite the animation or anime you know and love. I I know at least Alan and I love anime, but mm-hmm. I'm curious to discuss how this film was made. But this is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Once again, we were contacted by Dark Coast Studios to review their upcoming film, Violence Voyager. This was towards the latter half of 2019. Our review schedule was booked. Um, They wanted us to pre-screen the film before the movie actually came out. Unfortunately, like I said, our schedule really didn't allow for that, but we did really want to get around to reviewing this movie because we've never reviewed a movie quite like this. And we'll talk about more of that here in just a bit. And yeah, I I looked at some of the promotion material that we were sent and I was like, this visually looks really interesting. And that's what sparked my interest. And so, yeah, very interesting movie. Um, Very interesting style wise, I would say. Yeah, the style is very unique. This is something Ujicha is known for. He has also done one other film. He's directed um, three films. The third film was is more so considered um, an anthology type film. But um, the other film he did is called The Burning Buddha Man. I believe it's done with a very similar style as this. Hmm. Now, this movie did premiere in Japan May 24th, 2019. Here in the United States, it did um, premiere at a film festival at Fantastic Fest, which if you're plugged into the film community, I'm sure you have heard of Fantastic Fest at least once, but it did uh, actually come out September 20th, 2018. So over a year ago. Interesting. Now, this movie is not rated, but I would go with an R rating because there is nudity involved in this film. Now, like I said, it's not actual nudity. It's uh, kind of these hand-drawn paper cutout nudity. But I think I think for that reason alone, not just the animation kind of making some people wary of seeing this movie, but I'd say probably that nudity aspect, especially because it does mostly involve children, would really turn some people off from this movie probably. Yeah, I can definitely see an R rating and I could definitely see this movie turning itself off or turning some people away um, knowing some of the things that are in this movie, especially towards that second half uh, in where it goes. I can definitely see an R rating because, yeah, there's a lot of this. It gets relatively graphic towards the second half, all involving children. And, yeah, there is some nudity in this also involving children. Now, for something that's not American and that is more Japanese, their Japanese culture is more, uh, they seem to more, are more accepting of this kind of a thing. Whereas here in America, not so much. Um, but yeah, I, I can still see some people who maybe aren't even are fans of anime uh, would be maybe a little bit, a little bit interested 
to see something like this, where it's very anime inspired, but it's not necessarily animated in your traditional sense. Now, it currently does hold a 6.8 on IMDb, but that is only out of 97 votes. Right. Yeah, it's uh, that's a rating that it's kind of hard to say that's really what the audiences think of it in a broad sense. 98, 97 people is not a whole lot of people. It seems like the ones who have seen it, that seems to be about average rating wise, but it's kind of also kind of hard to say uh, how qualified that many people are. Because when you get that small, it's kind of hard to say how, what the general population or what a score would be like, a score would be for this movie if there were like 70 times more ratings. It, yeah, and that makes sense because this is a completely independent film. As we said, it didn't even get uh, any kind of theatrical lease release here in the United States. It was uh, just simply in that film festival. Now, it was released on digital platforms on October 21st. So you are able to watch it on Amazon, DirecTV, Flix, Fling, Vimeo On Demand, Voodoo, Fandango, and AT&T. So between the time of its premiere and its release, it did see uh, quite the gap. Um, we did originally, like I said, this is a Japanese film, so there are Japanese um, voices, but we watched the English dub, and it was dubbed by um, Debbie Derryberry. Now, did Debbie Derryberry, who plays Akun, his friend from the beginning of the movie, did this voice sound familiar to you, Alan? It did a little bit, no lie, uh, but I couldn't pinpoint really who would who it would be this actor is actually the voice of jimmy neutron from the nickelodeon hit show hit show jimmy neutron boy genius okay well then that would explain a lot that would explain why that i found his voice to be somewhat familiar uh the other voice talents include cedric williams who you may have seen in toradora uh, saki fujata from attack on titan and Shigio Takashi from Nishuja. I honestly don't know how to pronounce that last one. But I am a fan of Attack on Titan. I loved the first season. I tried to get back into it, but there was just too much of a gap between season one and two. Alan, did you ever watch Attack on Titan? I've seen the first 19 episodes. Yeah. And I watched that. Ooh, man, I was a freshman in college <sighs> when I watched that. That's been years been since I've touched Attack on Titan. I think it's like season three now, mm. season three or four, as I checked. So the way we did watch this movie, like I said, Dark Coast provided us with the screener copy of the film, and this film was also written by Ujicha. So listeners, if you haven't seen Violence Voyager and we've been able to pique your curiosity, and I definitely recommend there is a trailer out that kind of goes into the making of the animation and Ujicha doing all of that. It's definitely worth the watch, especially the trailer is, and check out some of those still images. I think that alone will pique your interest. But if you don't want Violence Voyager spoiled for you, then go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check out the film on one of those uh, digital platforms we mentioned. It is available for renting on Amazon. I know that for sure. And of course, you can buy it as well. Come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Bobby and Akun have just finished their school year in Japan. And as all boys do, they want to play in the woods in order to build a secret base. On their way, a creepy hermit warns them of going into the woods. 
They disregard his message and happen upon an eerie amusement park called Violence Voyager. They meet the owner and his daughter. The two kids have fun at first, but are attacked by a humanoid creature and meet other children who are struggling to survive. Through a series of wild events, Bobby is turned into one of the creatures after Akun's death. Bobby, now a monstrous being with extraordinary powers, travels back to the amusement park, very much in the fashion of Terminator, to save the rest of the children, avenge his father who died trying to save him, and destroy the abominable Violence Voyager amusement park once and for all. So I think the first thing that immediately stuck out to me was the animation style. And it's kind of hard to say that this is animated in the traditional sense because it's a lot of uh, still hand-drawn cutouts that are moved about by what seemingly looks like uh, being held on or glued onto sticks and people holding it up. So kind of like a like a kid's puppet, but at the same time, it it's very, very unique in its own style and how it does it. Because I don't think I've ever seen a movie that does this kind of a thing where it's an it's a feature length film where it's all cutouts that are animated by a person holding it physically. Uh, now, the only other thing that I can think of would be maybe something like south park where the whole show is like paper cutouts but they are so animated in the traditional sense um this is very different from that this is like filmed as if someone was actually holding it and i found it to be wildly interesting just its animation style alone yeah the animation is its own thing very unique um Mm -hmm. it's not really 2d it's not really 3d it is kind of reminiscent like alan said of a puppet show because the use of depth, I think, works pretty well. It does give you a sense of a, a real environment that these characters are operating within. But I will admit, when I first saw the trailer, I was worried that this animation style, and like you said, it is these hand-drawn um, cutouts that are moved about and synced up with the voices. I was worried that would deter me from liking this movie uh, it does seem to be at first to me somewhat off-putting that this is just going to come across as something possibly unwatchable but as not it didn't take long for me to get into this movie and actually be very fascinated um, not just with the animation but with the story and where it was going um, because we kind of start off with that relatable kids in the woods you know kind of drawing upon some some fairy tales, Hansel and Gretel don't go into the woods because there's something creepy there. And we come to learn that Violence Voyager is the name of this amusement park and not all is as it seems. Uh, I was I was definitely into it by that point. And when the dog is attacking, I could see very much how this does draw upon um, Japanese anime oh, with yeah. its storytelling. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I, especially towards its latter half, um, when, you know, everything is not as it seems. And uh, you get to see glimpses of mother and what mother looks like and things like that. Uh, it, I got uh, reminded of Akira, oh, the, yeah. especially in the, those scenes with mother. I, it really reminds me a lot of Akira, especially in the Akira's climax, which if you've seen, you would be forgetting anytime soon. So I guess that's kind of an interesting comparison to make 
for a movie, although they are both Japanese in nature, it's an interesting comparison to make that this small independent film at a that was shown on, pretty much only at festivals is reminding me of Akira, which in, I'm not saying it's stealing off of it at all. I'm just saying that I'm just reminded of that, which is interesting to me. I think in even more so, like you were saying how you were intrigued by the story. I was intrigued by the moment it began when I realized what kind of animation style this is. It's just cutouts of paper, unique drawings for almost every other take or every other shot um, that I found to be wildly interesting just in its style alone. And its story for me only added on to that because of how intriguing and, uh, and how unique it got there towards, especially there towards the end when it just goes kind of off the wall. Um, with what everything that it introduces. So yeah, I found this in general from a storytelling perspective to be very interesting and very, very engaging and very intriguing. And I think a lot of people, when they hear us say uh, hand-drawn cutouts and kind of puppet shows and being moved around, could get the sense that this is could be a very cheap production or look, I don't know, very low rent in that way. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I at, I was actually very impressed with how much time that would have taken because they do try their best to keep up with the emotions of the characters. And I, that's right. an obstacle that they would definitely have to overcome when creating cutouts is you can't provide a continuous flow of emotion when it comes to these characters. You have to create a whole new cutout. You have to redraw the whole character again in different positions, standing, sitting, and different emotional expressions. So that was the other thing that really impressed me is this in many ways I could see as being a labor of love that uh, the director, uh, Ujicha, wouldn't be doing this if he didn't really enjoy doing this. And I, I really find that commendable and impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that this is, this animation style is as unique as it is because you're right. For every other emotion or every other expression that these characters, or even just not even emotions, just actions, anything that is different that needs to be changed, it requires essentially a brand new drawing, a brand new cutout for that action or emotion or expression, what have you. And so, yeah, well, on the surface, when you tell when you're telling somebody has yeah, a bunch of paper cutouts that are talking to each other. It sounds, yeah, kind of cheap, but in reality, it's not because he does, Ujita does take, does put a lot of hard work into making it unique and making it look something of great quality. And like a lot of hard work, work was put into it, not just its animation, but also its backgrounds and how it looks and things like that. So, yeah, it makes it what I found to be the most unique part about it is uh, its animation, is how just how it was done and how. You know, everything is essentially unique. And that one drawing may only be used one time in the story. and You may never see it again, ever. It, so, yeah, I found it to be wildly interesting. And that's definitely my favorite part about this movie is its animation. Another, or I guess how it looks and how it was made. Another manga I found it comparable to is, especially at least the first issue of Astro Boy, I saw a lot of similarities. This is a twisted Astro Boy yeah. <laughs> in many yeah. ways. Um, and that's one of the things that I did really like about this movie is it's kind of delightfully weird and definitely kind of delightfully twisted in many ways, like in that Akira way as well. 
And when you brought up Akira, I also think one of the characters in this movie is named Takashi, which is one of the characters in Akira as well. So absolutely, that is one of the most influential anime films ever made. Um, yes. But I was, uh, like I said, my fears were quickly put to rest because I found this to be so interesting. And I liked how they brought up conflict um, very quickly within the first act. And then it um uh, never never quite like stopped going from there um there is some kind of uh voiceover narration that i think the film could have used without and probably would have been stronger for it yeah yeah i can see that definitely uh and i would and i like how the story plays out too with how it starts off you know kind of normal like a little like like a kids movie um relating to kids things like that and then slowly turns into something just so weird compared to how things are here in America. And it turns into the story where, you know, this kid who has been turned into essentially this alien thing um, now has to rescue this little girl who he's become friends with because she's next, you know, and save everybody else who else is everybody else who's there after his dad died to this man who's trying to save his kid. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, it's so interesting to see where the story is going to go next that I couldn't help but keep myself engaged. My, although I, I do have some criticisms, I, I do think that this movie is not something for everybody because it is anime inspired. So if you're not into anime, then you, it's kind of hard to recommend this movie to somebody. And if you aren't used to thing, like unique things, it's kind of hard to recommend this movie again because I don't know if this animation style or the style of the filmmaking is going to turn people off or not. It's not something you ever really see very often at all. Yeah, and I would also say the subject matter as well could be yeah. very disturbing to most people because children are murdered and then they are stripped naked and they're going to be turned into these monstrosities with... The whole purpose of making um, the the weird little creature that they fight the, I believe he's the, is he the son of the amusement park owner? Yeah. Okay. They want him to become a real boy. So in a way, it's also a twisted Pinocchio story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I will say that probably around that two thirds mark when we are getting some backstory and. I would say it gets pretty dense there towards the end where um, Bobby is changing. And that's something I do like. Don't get me wrong, that this story is willing to completely subvert your expectations and take chances oh, yeah. by killing off main characters or turning them into the very creatures they are trying to destroy. Uh, I liked all that. I think it probably gets too dense. And that's where I would love to see this story become a mass produced, uh, like limited series anime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. There is like a, there is a scene, there's the exposition scene when uh, Bobby is able to escape and then meets up with Mr. Lucky Monkey. And <laughs> uh, then Mr. Lucky Monkey just kind of explains everything to him. There, there are moments where there's a lot of, pos uh, a lot of exposition spilling, which is, th this is one of them. But yeah, I think this movie does touch on one major theme and that's like just growing up. I, I feel like this scene or what happens to Bobby is more akin and more, uh, more, yeah, more akin to a uh, kid going through puberty. Um, 
and how they kind of become like this to them this disgusting mess um for a few years i can see where uh illusions or uh things are drawn where this is very much hearkening towards you know just the emotions of growing up where you have to deal with certain things your body changing it without you having control over anything like that i can see things like that being brought up in this movie for maybe not for kids but maybe for teenagers or something like that yeah i would agree with that as well i think there's a good parallel to be drawn there between going through adolescence because clearly these kids are about to go through there and Mm -hmm. um they find themselves to be very gross and at the same time they are and their bodies are literally changing in this movie and it's seemingly for the worse. And also, I think the movie does do an interesting job of, well, I would say a good job of touching upon like um, children and adult relationships um, because it touches upon like whether you should trust strangers, whether they're good, um, even some people that appear untrustworthy at first, such as um, the old man, the hermit guy. He uh, does seem untrustworthy, but he does have their best interest at heart. And then even when like Bobby's dad comes across as kind of unloving in the beginning, he uh, sacrifices his life to save his son. So I do like they bring up those emotional connections and a bit deeper themes that than we would I, I would probably have expected from this movie just going off of where the story was initially starting out as just kind of this weird science fiction children in a creepy amusement park in the yeah. in rural Japan. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there it it does start off. For me, I was thinking it was starting off rather cliche, and it in some ways it does, but maybe it's like you know on purpose. But it wasn't long after when they got when they get caught that I'm just like, wait, this is not as cliche as I was initially thinking it was going to end up being. Um, the other thing I wanted to another connection that I drew from this movie was um, definitely some Metroid vibes, especially toward the end, mm-hmm. because Mother very much reminds me of the Mother Brain from the initial Metroid video game or the remake Metroid Zero Mission. And then Bobby himself kind of is a very kind of Metroid figure where he comes in very Samus figure where he comes in with uh, guns a blazing and Mm -hmm. uh, trying to bring the whole thing down. And it does have a very kind of big blockbuster um, style climax as well. Um, I will say though, my largest criticism that I've already touched upon is the towards the end of the second act i think it becomes too convoluted with trying to keep track of all of these characters and which one's dead and which one's still actually alive and the old man is knew about it the whole time with uh the amusement park owner and then bobby's dad is trying to help them and nakun's brother is involved as well and then bobby becomes a creature as well and he uses that to his advantage I, I would say that becomes too con that became too convoluted for me to follow. I did lose interest there, probably for the third act. You know, I agree. Yeah, this th- the third act, while it is interesting getting up to this point, um, yeah, does get a little bit convoluted. I think it has a lot to explain um, before it's you know it actually heads into the third act, and I think that's part of the reason why is 
it's explaining its exposition spilling comes, I think, at not a very appropriate time. It's needed because it, you know, it explains a lot of things that we haven't uh, been told yet. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't do a very good job, I feel, at fleshing that out very well. Uh, whereas, and, and whereas the rest of the story, especially the 30 minutes that happened before this, which is all super interesting and really, really weird and really dark, um, it, there isn't a whole lot. It doesn't explain everything that it explains here, which is unfortunate. I then this third act for me, I think, is a little bit weak um, in terms of its execution. I think that's the re- in the way. I, the reason I say that is because um, I, when it comes to filming action on th- this kind of uh, in this kind of a way, where it's paper cutouts, I do feel that there's a lot left up to the imagination here, um, and I think that does kind of pull away a little bit from the feeling that maybe this director was going for. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad. But I feel that there is some loss. Some, there, are some, there are some things that are lost because of the style that we have. Yeah, there is some things that are lost um, because, like you said, it's presenting it visually to you on screen, but you're trying to engage your imagination as well. And uh, you can tell they are kind of blowing up sets. It does give you that very kind of nostalgic 50s vibe of uh, mm. the end of some big blowout James Bond type movie in a way or some science fiction movie of that kind. Uh, I, I would agree as well. And by that point when um, Bobby is trying to save the day and be the hero, I, I've i lost interest, honestly. I'm... I still enjoyed what I saw from the film, but the third act does fall apart for me. I think they're just trying to go too far with it. I don't think they needed to go as far as they did. Um, If they were going to go that route, we definitely needed more time, I think, uh, because we are hit with so many different um, character plot changes and even seemingly character arc changes so fast that I couldn't keep up. So I think if they would have stuck with it being a bit more simplistic and straightforward with the storytelling instead of going for the -the over-the-top sci-fi ending, I probably would have enjoyed that better. And I think this is the limitations on what the movie does in terms of how much it shows, I think also kind of hurts this uh, as well. And for a lot of the story, I would like to have seen, I guess more i would like to have pulled out a little bit to show more of the environment uh more of these characters things like that i would like to have seen a lot more than what the movie does show because especially in action scenes like this or when you're inside of the facility that's owned by kokike i would have loved to have seen more and get more of maybe more of an establishment as to what this place is like and things like that and maybe that's just due to limitations maybe on a bigger budget that wouldn't be a problem at all but that does that is still a limitation on this movie. I would like to see more of this world that they build uh, just by pulling out the camera, not just not just by doing more things in the still in the story. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And I do think there is some of that limitations as well, because when they do want to get to a different segment or different characters in the story, I don't really feel that sense of traveling towards there. It just feels like we we are there. We just have to jump there, I guess I should say. And like I said, I think that might be some of the limitations as well, which 
they could fix, which I really think it would be awesome to see this as an actual anime series. Um, you know, doesn't need to be a lot of episodes. Some of the best anime isn't a lot of episodes, but I'd love to see that expanded further. Um, the environments that we do get, I really like. I really like the outside shots. Oh, yes. Um, how they're going through the amusement park before they're even there. One of my favorite environments is when uh, Bobby and Akun are taken prisoner by seemingly the aliens, but they're actually just kids. And they kind of go down into this like graveyard with the helmets, and that's where they have their first big battle with uh, one alien that shoots the acid. Um, going down in there felt so inventive. Um, this might sound weird, but it gave me flashes to um, Super Mario. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's it's the remake of Mario 64. I played it on oh, the yeah, DS. Yeah. And there is one segment where you go down into, from my recollection, this was many, many years ago, but a very similar looking kind of underground place, but very imaginative when it comes to these places. I loved seeing that, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen more and who knows, maybe we will someday. Mm -hmm. Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Violence Voyager? Violence Voyager honestly really surprised me i was not expecting a movie like this coming out of a film festival that is as that looks as unique and has as unique of a story as it has to tell i was very impressed by it i like i love the look of this movie and this is the kind of film that i just kind of like to watch it's just something that's just unique things that you wouldn't see on a normal day-to-day basis say if you walked into a movie theater you're probably not going to see this kind of a movie ever um, and I love that. I love unique things like this just to watch and see what can come out of people's minds uh, just by using the art, the artistry that is filmed. And yeah, uh, even though I do have some criticisms where I would like to see more of this environment or whatever, I do still find this to be a rather enjoyable looking, uh, rather enjoyable movie by the way it's, uh, it's themes of growing up and nostalgia and things like that. I yeah, I highly enjoyed it. Now it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's still one that I think is very, very unique. And so yeah, I ended up rather enjoying Violence Forager in the end. So yeah, at the end of the day, seven out of ten. I still give it a recommend. Oftentimes my favorite stories are short stories because short stories are so much more inventive than some of the mainstream schlock that becomes just tropes reused over and over again. Whereas with short stories, oftentimes those are stories you really don't get anywhere else. And that's what I feel about Violence Voyager. I felt like I really got a unique slice of storytelling that I haven't seen in a long time. And it was a treat to see it done in an animation style that I, as far as my memory serves, I have never seen before. And so I think all of that works to the film's credit. Now, like we said, there were some issues with probably storytelling and probably getting a little too convoluted and um, laid down there towards the end of the film that I think if they would have just uh, not been too worried about putting too much at the end, kind of lighten it up a bit, I think that could have been more streamlined and more enjoyable for me. But nevertheless, I was surprised that I did like this movie. And if you are a fan of anime and kind of know what that Japanese style of storytelling is, it can be very dark at times, but at the same time, very inventive. Then I think you'll like this movie. So yes, this is a movie we're seeking out. 
and one that I think would be cool to own in my collection just to show somebody like this is something really different and Mm -hmm. unique. So for me, Violence Voyager receives six stars out of 10 with, uh, yeah, a recommend. Yeah, if there is ever a Blu-ray release this, I would love to buy one. No lie. Just to say, you know, this movie is super interesting. You need to watch it. Yeah, I do wonder if they would ever physically release it. I have a feeling if they if that would ever happen, they would probably be a deal with like one of those very independent um, because all kinds of weird old stuff that nobody's like ever heard before, except 12 people gets released on Blu-ray because they get deals through um these more so independent blu-ray distributors so i could see that happening i could see this um maybe gaining more of a cult following um years down the road not a large one probably but honestly fingers crossed i really do want to see this as a limited series um anime Uh, but nevertheless you can own it on digital so you can own the film just not physically as right now Well, listeners, thank you for joining us on our review of Violence Voyager. We do want to know, are you going to check this film out? Is our review enough to pique your interest for you to go check it out? Because I do think more people, like I said, warning, not for everybody. There is some pretty disturbing stuff in this movie. But for those of you who are very interested in manga and anime, highly recommend that you check this movie out. And we do want to hear your thoughts on if you've seen Violence Voyager, if you've seen uh the director's other works as well i'm curious to know what else uh dark coast will be distributing alan thank you for joining me sure thing all right listeners don't forget to click that subscribe button though and share this with your friends and family because we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you and i do love that silver screen guide is able to bring you very unique reviews that you're not hearing um from mainstream movie reviewers uh as of right now So listeners, make sure to join us next week with our review of the 2019 remake of Jacob's Ladder. And then after that, we will be kicking off our Back to the Future retrospective movie review series, one that both Al and I really love those films. We're excited to really delve into the history and making of those movies and give you our review on it. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin.
The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Welcome listeners to another special review. Today we are reviewing the Indipoint in Indipoint. Indipoint. <laughs> Indipoint. All right, redo. Welcome listeners to a- another special review. This time we are revoying revoying? <laughs> what is happening? Get together, Quibbin. All right, drink of water. Gotta clear the vocal <laughs> passages. <laughs> 